Howard Ivins, and you're listening to WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask? Avengers, assemble! Good afternoon, and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell, and here's some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. Today is the 95th birthday of comics artist Ramona Fraden. Ms. Fraden is the co-creator of DC Comics character Metamorpho. You may be familiar with her work on Aquaman or Brenda Star Reporter. We're recognizing her as a working artist in a male-dominated industry. Her career started in 1950. There weren't a lot of women working in comics professionally back then. So join me in wishing Ms. Fraden a very happy birthday. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings continues to reach new milestones. The film has led the box office since its opening, and on Thursday it became the first movie of the pandemic era to earn over $200 million at the domestic box office. Shang-Chi faces some competition this weekend from Venom, but is expected to remain atop the domestic box office once again. It's also getting close to $370 million worldwide. A new trailer dropped last weekend for season four of Stranger Things. You can check it out on one of the Fantastic Forum social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. Stranger Things 4 debuts on Netflix in 2022. September is a time for anniversaries as it has historically been the launch of the television network's fall seasons. Last week was 20 years since the September 26th debut of Star Trek Enterprise in 2001. September 26th also marked 80 years since the first of Max and Dave Fleischer's Superman animated cartoons debuted in theaters. And also, I, I forgot, I, uh, back on September 17th, that marked 80 years since the publication of More Fun Comics number, and I'm going to mess this up, number 73 I think it was, but 
more fun comics, that particular issue, was the first appearance of both Aquaman and Green Arrow. And I missed that back on the 17th. Speaking of September 17th, an exhibition opened on September 17th at the Library of Congress that you won't want to miss. It features selected gems from the collection of Stephen A. Jeppe. You may recall that when Mr. Jeppe closed his Jeppe's Entertainment Museum in Baltimore back in 2018, he generously donated much of its contents to the library. The pieces in the exhibition represent themes from the museum, including Walt Disney's iconic characters, Western superheroes, science fiction, horror, sports, music, and entertainment. It's located in the graphics arts galleries of the Thomas Jefferson Building at 10 First Street, Southeast in Washington, D.C. You can get more information by calling 202-707-8000 or by emailing veo at loc.gov. It was announced earlier this week that a reboot of the classic sci-fi series Babylon 5 is in progress and it's being scripted by creator-producer J. Michael Straczynski. More on this as it continues to develop. It was also announced earlier this week that The Book of Boba Fett will make its Disney Plus debut on December 29th. Of course, the series is a spinoff from The Mandalorian and stars Timura Morris and Ming-Na Wen. Scarlett Johansson and Disney have reached a settlement over her lawsuit accusing the studio of effectively sabotaging the theatrical release of Black Widow and costing the actress millions of dollars in bonuses. Terms of the settlement were not disclosed. And some sad news as we learned Japanese manga creator Takayo Saito passed away on September 24th. The artist was best known as the creator of Golgo 13, which is the longest-running Japanese comic series of all time. He was 84. So today we're talking about some of that as well as the recent lawsuits which were filed in connection with copyright disputes on various Marvel characters. Joining me for this discussion are Shireen Nicole. Drew Bittner, Roberto Ortiz, and Mr. Julian Lytle. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. Hello. Hello there. Yeah, thank you. So, Marvel filed these five lawsuits. On, well, I tell you what, I tell you what. <laughs> Before we get to that, um, I, I do want to just back up just a minute because uh, I uh, of, of the stuff that I had talked about, and, and at least this week, uh, I didn't have any gesturing or anything funny going on <laughs> you know, during the news uh, like last week. But of course, there wasn't anything nearly as controversial as billionaires going to space. But um, I did uh, just want to, uh, for a moment, uh, return to Ramona Fraden, uh, you know, because it, being a woman in the comics industry is... In the 50s, good God. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, in the early 50s, yeah. too. You might as well say 1949, you know, if you're doing that. And, uh, you know, she did some really great stuff. I mean, sort of redefined the look of Aquaman and, you know, her work on the, uh, the Brenda Starr series. So I just kind of felt that that was worth 
revisiting. Does anybody ha- else have anything that they want to add about uh, Ramona Fraden? She's a pioneer. I mean, you know, she she opened a lot of doors for a lot of female creators, and and yet she's really not as well known by modern audiences, modern readers, and a lot of modern creators. And that's kind of a shame because, you know, she deserves the same recognition that guys like, you know, Schuster and Siegel and Kane and um, Kirby and all these other guys were getting for for their creations back then. Mm -hmm. No, I absolutely agree. And that was the whole reason I had wanted to mention her name once again. It's funny how (laughs) women basically contribute so much to science fiction and fantasy and we tend to ignore it (laughs) or dismiss it and basically have the, the cojones to say, well, this is a, a, a male-dominated field, and it should be only for males, ignoring the fact that, for starters, Mary Shelley was the one who started science fiction as, as a thing. Yeah. And it's it's a thing that we do over and over. And I feel like, as a man, that I'm disgusted by it. But then again, uh, it's typical of us, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Sadly, it really is, and you know it, the the misogyny. I mean, the racism I've known about my whole life, but the misogyny, shockingly, uh, came as something of a surprise to me. And uh, again, that's why I had wanted to just mention her uh, one more time uh, before we kind of got two things. Um, now, also last week. I kind of messed up because I, I we got sidetracked and then when we finally got to the main discussion I didn't feel like we had enough time to really uh, talk about it but I do want to just mention <laughs> having said that I do want to just mention um, one other thing and this is in terms of the anniversaries because uh, the Max and Dave Fleischer Superman cartoons I have thought were really really good and I had wanted to just um, reference that again, only because uh, there were um, there were some really great moments, some great moments of superhero action that took place uh, during that those particular cartoons, uh, and nobody had seen. I mean, back in uh, 1941, when this stuff first debuted. Nobody had ever seen anything like that. You know, the whole superhero action thing. Mm -hmm. And so um, (laughs) I just thought, I mean, because I can only imagine what the reactions of audiences must have been back then. I mean, particularly you look at um, uh, cartoons like the Mechanical Monsters. I mean, there was a moment there where you got all these robots who are bearing down on him and they're breathing fire and they're beating him into the ground and you know anybody in <laughs> any any normal man would have been totally destroyed by this and superman just gets up and uh, starts giving them the old one two uh, and um, <laughs> destroying what, them <laughs> but what's interesting specifically is that yes there were uh, superhero cartoons that came after it but if you basically wanted to find a spiritual successor to the fresher cartoons, you will have to go all the way to the 90s to the Bad Bang Animated series. Yeah. And that's fascinating that there was such an insanely big gap between that cartoon and something similar in the same vein. Because all the cartoons that came later in the 60s and the 70s tended to be basically more lighthearted, tended to be 
the audience tended to skew way younger compared to the Max Fletcher cartoons, which basically were intended for the general popul uh, I, I population. I think you can probably trace that to the 1950s being sort of the downfall of comics yeah. with Seduction of the Innocent Here, and everything yeah. else. That it was then, you know, <clears throat> stunted into being just um, kiddie fair. Yes, and yes. The, the Superman Fleischer cartoons were not for children, nope. they were for all ages. And the things that came after an animation, after the 50s, were for children. They were for kids. And frankly, not very grown-up kids at that. So, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and, and I particularly in terms of what you're saying about uh, there not being anything even close to that until nope. that Batman animated series. In uh, 91, I think it was? Yeah, right. and, and yeah. Mm -hmm. No, Julian, what were you going to say? It was 92. That's oh, 90, yeah. Mm -hmm. The 30th anniversary is next, next fall. Wow. And, and that's the thing. You can actually see those cartoons, and you can the influence from the Fletcher cartoon screams at you that they were saying, how can we basically do this in the present? And they did. Boy, did they ever. And it's uh, we're all better for it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. No, no doubt about it. You know, So uh, Max and Dave Fleischer... Uh, surely trailblazers in terms of that yeah the only other thing that I wanted to mention you know kind of before we uh, actually um, you know get to the main topic of discussion uh, is well of course the fact that I missed uh, last month that 80th anniversary of the debut of Aquaman and Green Arrow hmm. and um, that was um, <laughs> I mean 80 years for any comic character uh, is a heck of a thing, and yes, I was correct. It was a, more fun comics number seventy three. I didn't, uh, I didn't actually have that as part of um, part of my copy, and uh, but I had seen, I had seen it earlier today, and wow. I just wanted to include that because the longevity of these DC characters is really something, and uh, so I it, that, that's always worthy of note. I think when you hit uh, a milestone anniversary like that. And it should be interesting specifically, uh, you said how many years again? 80? 80, 80 yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and when do they start having problems in terms of uh, copyright? I think it's 90 years? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they'll actually have the same issues that Marvel has in regards to copyright. Yeah, actually the, the people you have to keep an eye on is Disney, with specifically with uh, Mickey Mouse. With Steamboat Willie, that is about to fall into the public domain. Well, uh, but uh, there's stuff that you can do to oh, uh, yes. to keep your yourself from <coughs> falling into the public domain. Why do you and think yeah. part of it, it involves the regular use of those characters. Well, okay, all right. This seems like a wonderful time to sort of uh, pivot because <laughs> um, you know we're we're kind of talking about that, and you know that news this week about. Uh, it, it's it's not. I mean, it's relevant. It's not exactly the same. But that news about Scarlett Johansson yeah. and Disney uh, settling that lawsuit. Yeah, for um, her. yeah I think is ab it, well. <laughs> terms were not disclosed, but uh, she seemed to be happy. Everybody seemed to be happy. But yeah. So for those of you who aren't really aware of this, Marvel filed five lawsuits last week, and this was in an effort to block the heirs of comic book creators from claiming copyrights to a number of its characters, including Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and Iron Man and Captain, Mar Captain Marvel. Uh, this was after those heirs filed termination notices with the U.S. copyright offices. And uh, the heirs are being represented by veteran copyright attorney 
Mark Toberoff, who has previously represented the heirs of Jack Kirby, mm -hmm. Jerry Siegel, and Joe Schuster in similar legal actions. And of course, uh, the, uh, the attorney is arguing that the creator's work has led to multi-billion dollar franchises and that their heirs should be allowed to share in that wealth. Of course, Marvel makes the counter-argument that the disputed characters were created under work for hire. And it's a term that, uh, with which many of you may be familiar uh, a very uh, something actually that continues to this day. We got the gesturing back, but you know, something <laughs> that continues to this day in the comics industry, and is actually pretty common. So, uh, and these work for hire agreements essentially say uh, if you are uh, under a contract and you are working for me to produce uh, this particular work then the product of your work, whatever it may be, belongs to me, the person who contracted you. And all you are due in return is whatever I have agreed to pay you for producing that work. Mm -hmm. Again, very common. But yeah. the mm -hmm. problem that they're having specifically is this changed later, that the way the contracts were written in the 60s were not as specific as they are now. And they're finding loopholes specifically in terms of how those contracts were done in the 60s, mind you. Mm -hmm. And Marvel Comics was basically a completely different company in terms of corporate uh, in terms of corporate mentality back in the 60s to what it became later in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So that's why he found loopholes specifically to be able to, to do this. Right. Well, and this was in his representation of these other people, right? Because, of course, yeah. these particular cases have not been advanced far enough for this to be a thing. Well, the thing is that... Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the case of Siegel and Schuster was a different story because yeah. Siegel and Schuster sold Superman. Well, exactly. And I, I don't know what Bob Kane's terms were, but Bob Kane was still apparently working with DC Comics well into his, his golden years. Well, his... his um his father was involved and helped him create the deal when Batman started in his studio. So they were mm. like, we'll do this as long as his name is up. There's like a whole bunch of extra things. And if you research the story of um, Bill Finger, you'll find out uh, all that type There's of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. I think that Bob Kane and his family was, was very, uh, very smart. But mm. the thing is with the Marvel stuff, a lot of that stuff they had on the back of checks. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the but the thing is, does that cover the artwork, the story, or does that cover the characters and all the stuff? So I guess that's the that's the argument they're going to oh, make. Oh, which one? The the Superman? Oh, is, is, no, is, not not Superman, but the, the Marvel stuff. Oh, like, the, they, the, like the back of the check. I, I don't. I, I really don't know if the, if using any of the DC stuff can help precedent in a in a case because different contracts, different times. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. They're going I mean, with the the Jack Kirby thing. It was going to go to Supreme Court, but Disney blinked. So yeah. Yeah. they didn't want to go. They didn't want to go that far up. They chose to pay out. And you yeah, know they why? Didn't they didn't want to risk a precedent up, being set. They won yeah. all the way up until that point. But huh. you know what? You know, yes, it did. But you know what's hmm. the ace in the whole DC Comics had in the Superman case? What's that? The fact that and most people don't get this is that there's three different types. Oh, oh, hey, hey. One second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Roberto Ortiz, Julian Lytle, Drew Bittner, and Shereen Nicole. We're talking a little bit about 
the legal action that is going right now between uh, some heirs of Marvel comic creators and Marvel comics regarding the copyrights uh, to several of the Marvel characters. Uh, what was the point you were going to make, Roberto? Okay. First, a disclaimer. I work for the trademarks office, so I have to say this. I do not. Re- my opinions are my own and don't represent the opinions of my agency. I'm not legal counsel, and whatever I say doesn't have any legal standing. So listen to me at your own peril. <laughs> oh no well I had to say that so I'm not I'm speaking on my behalf alright so he, there's different, different types of intellectual property there's trademarks copyrights and uh, uh, and patents this case is specifically uh, specifically with comic books you're dealing with two types of intellectual property which is copyrights and trademarks DC Comics owns lock, stock and barrel all the trademarks related to Superman, mm-hmm. specifically the shield, the colors of the character, the costume, they have trademarked that up to Wazoo. Sure. What's the problem? Yes, they could have won the case, but the problem is that they would not own the distinctive things related to the current interpretation of what people interpret what Superman looks like. The shield, they couldn't use it. The costume, they would have to tweak it. whole bunch of stuff that they would not be able to use because of the fact that they wouldn't own the trademarks. And what does it relate in terms of the Marvel case? Well, here's a joke. And this might explain why all of a sudden, uh, spoiler, if you're reading comic books, um, the old 1960s Doctor Strange showed up in the comics. Yeah. You know why they're doing that? Because (coughs) I'm pretty sure they're gonna trademark that now. It's all about trademarks uh, intellectual property and specifically, Every time you see a redesign of a character, mm-hmm. the companies trademark the hell out of them. So they own intellectual property behind it. And not only that, the problem you have specifically in terms of the copyright of this character is that yes, you can say, I want the trademark for Doctor Strange, but you don't own all the auxiliary characters and concepts related to the character because a lot of other contributors came after the fact mm-hmm. and added to them. Like, so what happened in the Superman case again? Where they, oh yes, we can get Superman, but you cannot use Lex Luthor, you cannot use Kryptonite, you cannot use Kandor, a whole bunch of stuff that are very integral to the character. Right, yeah. So well, you can't use them unless you pay this particular individual. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. so how I think this is going to happen, what's going to happen is probably this is going to have to get a check and make this go away. Mm. Well, uh, that's if they choose to. So, Shireen, you and I were talking a little bit earlier, and I thought you had some really great points on all of this. Now, um, just (laughs) throwing in the disclaimer, I mean, because one of the things that we had talked about was... Uh, the well, and and you there, you had a really great turn of phrase with it, but we were talking about the legality of it versus um, you know kind of what was right. What what how was it you were how was it you put that? I I think I can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I just said that everything that is legal is not right. Slavery is legal. <laughs> you know, Ouch. there's a whole thing. There are a whole lot of things that are legal that are not morally correct. There you go. Yeah. Um, and and those things are worked out over the years um, to try to balance those things. Um, and and what I was saying, I think that you might be referring to, is I used the case of Ariel and Ursula. Um, of course, Ursula <laughs> had a contract signed, 
But how did she get that contract? What manipulations did she use for this young girl? You know, and so those are the things that we we have to come to talk about because when you're talking about that era, you can look at the music industry, you can look at the yeah. publishing industry, um, you can you can uh, publishing literary, and you can look at all of these things and see how the contracts were really made to flay the creatives hmm. and to take as much real estate as possible on the monetary side and then when you talk about what is right you know yeah you might not legally be bound to pay somebody but when somebody is dying in poverty um they don't have health insurance and they're you know and you know all they have is their legacy and you're making billions and you refuse to pay them that's a problem whether it's legal or not agreed mm-hmm. 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 no and and you're absolutely right and you know regardless of uh, the relative legality of whatever it is, there is a question of the morality. And, and that's something that I've talked about ever since these movies uh, in particular started to make uh, a bazillion dollars at the box office. And I, I, there was a point where I got really excited when I would see the names of the creators in the credits. Uh, but, you know, of course, DC and Marvel have not always been anxious even to offer credit because once you offer credit, then you have to pay somebody uh, a lot of the time. That That's what accompanies that. And it's not simply, I mean, and as it should be, but it's not simply, um, you know, giving somebody their due for whatever it is that, you know, they have created or contributed to that character over time. You know, but there is also, I, I, I know of no better way to say thank you for some work that somebody has done on my behalf than to give them a check or a stack of greenbacks. Mm-hmm. You know? And and yet these creators are expected to be happy with getting a thanks at the end of the credits of, of a movie. So, But that's the thing. That's endemic specifically on full industries. Look what's happening in the video game industry specifically. That uh, there has been a push specifically that we consume like crazy all this intellectual property and how we have made the cre- a lot of the creators, not all of them, uh, anonymous in a way. I th- well, I think that's a different... I personally that's a different type of situation that those people have, are uh, full contracted employees. Yes. That's a different type of thing versus uh, being a freelance contractor that you sign a work for a high contract. It's kind of like... Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 a it's it's like there's a difference between the studio it's studio execs and the studio people who actually have a job and they get a they they pay taxes they get a tax ticket out and they get benefits versus like oh yeah I pitched this to to Warner Brothers to make this to get this made but the the going back to the subject the sticky problem with this this case and why I think they got to it is I think mostly because of the stories especially for Ditko. Mm-hmm. And for uh, Stanley's brother, so okay, you know something I don't. Cool. So the story in regards to with with Dicko beyond his his issues before dying in regards to Spider Man and how much he contributed to Peter Parker and Spider Man is that Doctor Strange might not have been a work for hire. Whoa, uh, idea uh, that he might have came up with Doctor Strange, and much like Siegel and Schuster brought it to Stan and say would you like to publish this so and with the importance of Doctor Strange in the coming 
I guess say multiple phases mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um and the way in which Dicko died and in which D- Dicko lived and his resentment um there's there's a lot to be said and um in regards to Stan Lee toward the end he wasn't completely happy either even though they Marvel had this thing where they used him as a face and they put him in the movies and they paid him a million dollars a year for the rest of his life yo these movies were getting billions of dollars and he was not getting he wasn't getting enough and not only did he you know depending how you feel about his co-creation status he was there he was the editor he ran things and he was the one that was decided to uproot his life move to California and spent decades trying to get these things into into movies and cartoons and guess what he was right the whole time Mm -hmm. so it's interesting what's going on especially with those two so the fact that that Disney preemptively sued these folks is what makes this uh, ugly and connects to what Shireen said in terms of, you know, legal versus being Ethical. morally correct. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, like you suing but ho- ahead of time is, is real suspect, especially with some of these people involved into disputing <laughs> these these copyrights and, and reclaiming them because yeah. they, they never got paid what they were owed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people probably didn't even like each other when they passed on, but still. Yeah. Well, and uh, the other thing that stands out for me is not all of these people are actually heirs. Larry Lieber is one of the people who's suing. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, Larry Lieber is actually Stan Lee's brother and uh, was co-creator of Iron Man. I mean, you know, he's been doing stuff for many years. So, uh, yeah, you've got some heirs, but there is an actual creator who's in there. I think he's suing on, on, I think, more than just him but also that too so i got mm-hmm. i might have read it wrong but yeah he was there he was in the room he was a little he was the little homie and you know even though mm-hmm. stan was the little homie to jack but you know little homies be there yeah mm-hmm. don hex don hex family out there nobody talk about don heck if everything is oh iron man is the start of this amazing thing well yo we talk <laughs> about we talk about jack and stan a lot but Yo, I think Don Heck was doing a lot more Iron Man on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. And a lot of times you have issues where, and this is not pertinent to the conversation, but just a sidebar thought that I had, you sometimes have someone who created a character, but what the character is known for and the full development of the character falls to another creator. <laughs> absolutely Deadpool, She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um we can we can go to Constantine. Um, there are a lot of characters like that, and and that's some interesting territory that will likely come up as well. Yep. Mm. Oh yes, definitely. Uh, and and that's part of the problem specifically. That one thing is to create the character, or another thing is to basically give the character a voice. And mm-hmm. case in point, uh, going back to Deadpool, Deadpool was completely unrecognizable when you see him in the beginning to what he became later. True. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that is a whole nother issue. I mean, because we were um, we were kind of having a, a conversation about that uh, also. You know, where I had been uh, saying that these uh, derivatives uh, is is the way I referred to them. Um, uh, because okay, so like Ed Brubaker 
created kind of <laughs> yes. oh, here he laughing. He's like you know kind of created the winter soldier but the winter soldier is actually no, 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 bucky no, no, barnes no no, 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 no. Yes. not kind of no 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 no, no. <laughs> it's not called the falcon and bucky barnes it is called the falcon and the winter soldier listen i get your point you know you know i get your point yeah. but i gotta say Ed Baker didn't kind of create the Winter Soldier. He created the Winter Soldier. Was it based <laughs> on the seeds of Bucky Barnes? Yes. And that's where the argument becomes interesting. But as far as the Winter Soldier, that's Brubaker. That's Brubaker, period. And that's all there is to it. Did he create Bucky Barnes? No, he did not. And so now you're talking about alter egos and who gets paid for alter egos. And so we know Brubaker should get paid. The question is how much? There you go. Yeah. All right. But, but. That musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station. We're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and listeners for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Make it your business today to visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, at ArlingtonMedia.org to find out how you can make your tax deductible gift today. Did I mention it's tax deductible? So, look, we're going to pause for a moment to acknowledge our underwriters. We're also going to take a moment to promote some of the other fine WERA shows coming up later today. But stick around because we've got more of this discussion coming up right after this. Hey out there, all you local music lovers. It's Karen from Local Music Scene. Join us Fridays from 5 to 7 as we play all of the DMV's best local homegrown music. Tune in and support your musically talented friends, neighbors, and even become a fan of a band you might never heard of before. It's a luxury. Nostalgia ain't what it used to be. Never was, for that matter. It's that show that everyone's talking about. Paul McGee's Time Machine. Heard each Saturday night at 7.30, right here on WERALP 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. It's a look back through a window to the past. Each week we'll open the vault and play some real audio obscurities. Old radio dramas and comedies, music, news, and more, all stitched together on a timeline of local and national events of the day. Here are the personalities of the past, 7.30 Saturday nights on Paul McGee's Time Machine. 90 minutes of retro radio with a twist. Hello, this is Mary Cliff inviting you to be with us Saturday nights, 9 to midnight for Traditions, a full-spectrum folk music show. We'll hear ballads, bluegrass, blues, ethnic, traditional, and topical music, and things you can see from there. And we'll hear about upcoming folk performances in our area. So be with us for old favorites, new releases, and lots of surprises. Traditions, Saturday nights, 9 to midnight on WERA 96.7 FM.
And we're back here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shireen Nicole and Julian Lytle and Drew Bittner and Roberto Ortiz. Wow, I got a lot of people on this show. We are talking about the recent lawsuit that was filed by Marvel Comics against uh, the, excuse me, I should say the counter lawsuit Mm -hmm. that was filed against the creators uh, and heirs of creators of a number of Marvel characters uh, which was initiated by the suit that had been filed by the creators and the heirs uh, to vacate the copyrights on these characters and um I can't remember. I can't remember who was saying what. But Shireen, you had been well. I actually, I do now that I think about it, because I had just been uh, making the point about these derivatives before we took the break. I'm and sorry, I jumped in on you like that. I was like, "Rah!" No, that's fine. <laughs> I, I do. I do think, in terms of the, the nature of derivatives in regards to superhero comics, there's a big difference between what was done with Ed Brubaker and the Winter Soldier versus what's usually considered derivative, which is I.E. Superboy or Supergirl. Superboy isn't even in quotations mark because there was a long battle about the nature of Superboy. But specifically Supergirl, the Super Pets or regards to Batman Mm -hmm. and Batgirl and Batwoman and and all these type of things. Those are classic (laughs) derivatives of the main character. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, no, no. Where is something... They're not. The the, the interesting thing in regards to bringing back Bucky Barnes as a new character is that when you first see the Winter Soldier, you have no idea that's Bucky Barnes. Yeah. Um, Right. And was that in the comics? He was just... you had no idea? For a long time? No, that was a mystery. It took took uh, months. For a long time. Wow. It took yeah. months to say who was the that was the I think that's an actual trait. Who was the Winter Soldier? That was, yeah. yeah, that was who shot Jr. It was like six, yeah. six months before we found out. Like, it was a big deal. Bucky Barnes is back, and, and then Are blew people away. Me? It's like what like, the what? <laughs> he killed Nomad. Oh man! But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, he yeah. killed Nomad. Yeah. Oh, you really wow. need to go back he and read these. He killed Jack Monroe. Jack Monroe, the fifties nomad. The movie's yeah, exactly. Right, but uh, well, the, the you mean the fifties Bucky? Bucky, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, specifically, yeah. And yeah. isn't there some irony to that? That's yeah. that it was, was not ironic. Point. It was on purpose. Oh. And the funny thing is that he kills that the tail of the other. You kill them to gain their power. <laughs> well, and going back to derivatives, technically, Jack Monroe as fifties Bucky is a derivative. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Just yes. like the other, the fifties cat. And you know mm-hmm. stuff like that, and John Walker. And that's mm. and John Walker, maybe not because technically he was uh, let's see, USA super yeah, patriot. He was super yeah. patriot first. Yeah. Oh. Then he yeah. was Cap. Right. Then he was US yeah. agent. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that gets it to that's it. It's yeah. I think I think the term you want is fake Cap. No, I'm just kidding. Nah. <laughs> because also by the time you, by the time you get to those characters, also a lot of the the legal standings has changed and and Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill then fought for the, the shoes creators, Jim Shooter and change certain things royalty start happening contracts actually get made into like the, <laughs> the 70s and early 80s well it's interesting so, that all these characters that they're arguing over are characters in the 60s yeah, yeah from the so, beginning yeah. when, when everything was yeah. way mussier when, when yeah. things when contracts were like yeah. kind of just and that's whatever, what I was and that's like, what I was saying before specifically and that also they went, the time yeah 
yeah, the contracts specifically for the comic book industry back in the 60s were kind of completely different. Marvel is completely different from DC because remember that the Marvel way of creating IP hmm. is a collaborative experience. Well, I would <laughs> say creating That's what he was saying. I would say creating the stories. Yes. Yeah. But also, they, so I don't you, think you, they you were as corporate. about the system, the Marvel yeah. system. There, there was right. no Marvel. There was, there was uh, Stan Lee's uncle was still letting him run the company. <laughs> <laughs> and him figuring it out in his 40s versus oh, yeah, really. DC actually having a corporate structure <laughs> yeah. publications or dead... I forgot who owned them then, but yeah, there is contracts. You work for this. Your, your job is a letterer. Your job is a writer. Your job is an artist. You get paid. You put in the the, the, the W two blah 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 blah, and then they still have freelancers. Marvel had no system. But can you imagine the, the lawyers in Discovery? I mean, can you imagine the lawyers in Discovery reading the contracts from the sixties saying what? Why did you? Hell. I still think you say you reading contracts. They had the checks, and on the back. The yeah. guy in charge oh, had everything yeah. on the back of the check to say, once you get paid, you give up everything. Yeah, basically, wow. yeah, the check actually said, by cashing this check, you acknowledge all this crap that we are doing. Yeah. Wait, but Shereen, you had been trying to say something there. Oh, who knows? <laughs> I have thoughts about a whole lot of things. But I do think it's super interesting where copyright and trademark bump heads. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's completely different visa. Most people don't know that. That they're, com they're completely different to federal agencies, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have people who can own a copyright to something, but the company can still own the trademark. And there's no And way the trademark governs the merchandising. Yep. Hmm. That's where the money is. Hmm. Yep. An example of this is original Captain Marvel and the Marvel Captain Marvels. Because legally... Mm -hmm. Legally, DC could still have in the comic book Billy Bass's alter ego be called his correct name, Captain yes. Marvel. Mm -hmm. right. And all the Marvel family called their correct names and not that Mary Shazam and Shazam Jr. mess. Mm -hmm. But they just couldn't put out a comic book or a movie or a show called Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. That's why they had that beautiful thing called The Power of Shazam. And that's how they had the adventures of Captain Marvel and the Marvel family. But hmm. hey, Jeff Johns is like, I got an idea as chief creative officer. We're gonna call him Shazam. And he can't even say his name in the movie. <coughs> but um <Ooh. laughs> but, 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 but that is an example oh. of what we're just talking about. But the mm. weird thing, do you know the story of what happened there? That What are you talking about with Fawcett comics? No, the actual trademark of Captain Marvel. Yeah. The story goes that DC Comics up to the set was it the seventies? No, they they sued no. Fawcett out of existence. No, no, but yeah, DC, exactly. yeah, mm -hmm. no, but I mean that they still had they they destroyed Fawcett Comics. That yeah. wing, yeah, everything. and yeah. not not only Fawcett Comics. There were a bunch of people that DC <laughs> sued out of business, even though these characters did not even come close to resembling exactly. <laughs> well, and yeah. somehow they found DC courts gangster. that were going to go along. He with was. Them. But having said <laughs> this, this that's how they got involved with Warner Brothers, the land <laughs> of gods and dolls. Warner Brothers is known for the gangsters. DC is known for being gangster marriage. But but here's what happened. This is where Marvel got clever. One day, I believe in the 70s, Mar DC, by accident, let the trademark expire. Trademarks, you supposed to uh, re uh, re renew. renew them yeah. every couple of you years. You renew right. them, so it's every five years. Yeah. 
uh, for the first 10 years, right? And then it's every 10 years subsequent. Yep. And somebody in Marvel Comics was paying attention to this. You know, if, if it was on like, the wait. internet, they would, pre they would be pressing refresh to see. It. <laughs> 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 all of a sudden, they check with the trademarks office and say, no, they haven't renewed it. Really? They ran to the trademarks office and trademarked right under DC Comics the trademark for Captain Marvel. Mm. And also, the yeah, sure. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 oh, I was just, I was just going to comment that allowing uh, trademarks and various contracts to lapse have made a lot of people a lot of money. That's how Lucas made his money. Yes, it's because uh, the the toy and all of the other copyrights on that ancillary stuff. Oh, that lapsed. They they hadn't paid him, and so he got everything back. So a lot of people think that Lucas was smart to keep everything from the beginning. Nah, he got it back because when when the um, when the ownership changed hands, somebody forgot to make the payments. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, because yeah. I, I I remember that being a big deal. You know that he had the merchandising right. I mean the merchandising rights. Is what you're talking about, right? Um. Yeah. Toys. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Because that was a big deal that 20th Century Fox gave that up to him at they the did time. Not. They did not. Well, well no, they no, gave I, it up accidentally. Well, no, no, I, 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 no, I, I meant back when the movie first came out. Because when that first movie came out, George Lucas was the one that had the merchandising rights to all the toys and all that stuff that no. came out from that. No, I don't didn't. think that. I don't think he was given that. I think he just... No, he negotiated uh, that. I think what, no, he did what not. Sharina is saying is that <laughs> over the years, a myth has been created that... Uh, that he was so so smart, and he was really really lucky and paying attention. Uh, in regards but, to uh, what's <laughs> the, no no, but to be fair to him, in, what's the in, difference? But in, in, in regards <laughs> to the DC oh, I, thing, listen, luck up on money. Who cares? It's still money. Yes. In, yeah. In regards to the DC thing, I think at the time in which this happened, that the the final legal battles, Fawcett died. Then to make those people whole. They bought it. At the time, they did not care one bit about Captain Marvel other than, like, okay, we're going to buy the character. They didn't care about the... Because to them, it's like, yo, you boo like Superman and There's Superman a character is that, king. that used to beat Superman in publishing. Yeah, yeah. Like, we got rid of the enemy. Yeah. So right. he didn't become a problem like, oh, we lost the trademark until other people was like, yo, how y'all lose the trademark because we want to do X, Y, and Z with him. Yeah. We can say, like, oh, that was foolish. No, it's like people just didn't care because it's like, yo, he's the B version. We thinking it now, like, Superman ain't even the top dude no more. It's Batman. So it's like... If you in the if you in the early seventies too, not even the late seventies. This is the early. They don't care. We got Superman. He got a float. Everybody buy Superman. You know what I'm saying? We still got the we still got the the, the uh, reruns making money. We about to come out with this movie. Yeah. They still selling. There's caught Super Friends about to come out. We out here getting money. Who cares about no Captain Captain Marvel? Get out of exactly. here, with fake Superman. Uh, and that's really. what happens all the time. Like, it happens so often. And if someone's paying attention, there was a woman who had the patent on the fidget spinner. No way. Mm. Oh, yeah. And she held it for, like, 17 years or yeah. something. She ran out of money. She didn't defend it once. And that's when it became an international hit. Mm. Yeah. One piece of advice, people, if you're listening to us, is I I work for the trademark courses, and I, I, be, I drank the Kool-Aid, and I believe in it. Because... As an artist, if you're listening to this, 
learn more about copyright trademarks and patents because you can make money if you know what you're doing even if you're smart because trademarks and copyrights are very powerful really very. powerful mm -hmm. uh, companies have lost the rights to things like dry ice dry ice was a patent it, it was trademarked until they until they allowed it to lapse escalator all kinds of things yep. like that she's absolutely right i actually did the training for that <laughs> oh did you yes mm, <laughs> well, probably me yeah. <laughs> hey, hey you're listening to fantastic forum on wera 96.7 fm and streaming via wera.fm Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and Shireen Nicole and Roberto Ortiz and Drew Bittner. And uh, we've been talking about uh, lawsuits and copyrights and trademarks and, uh, and ownership. Um, we've only got a few minutes left, and uh, I'm just going to I'm gonna let this conversation continue. <laughs> who, who had something they had wanted to say? Well, I would like to say that the reason Disney's being so medieval with this, and I will not defend them. They, this is not ethical, but Disney, the difference between Disney and the other studio companies is that Disney, at its core, believes in intellectual property. They are been designed from the get-go to get our uh, intellectual property that's in the public domain or intellectual property that they can co buy and control like what they did with, with Winnie the Pooh and be able to make money out of it. And it's Hollywood who basically now is catching up to the business mentality that business has in terms of intellectual property and the value it has. I well, mean, Roberto, don't forget that the reason that Disney, um, the Disney ninjas are what they are is because Disney was at risk of losing the trademarks to all of those characters, he, to, yes. to Mickey, because after 60 years, the way the laws were written originally, or it might have been the copyright, actually, um, the way the laws were written is after 60 years, it would lapse, just period, like it was public domain. And Disney helped to change those laws because they were not about to lose the mouse, son. Nah, we mm -hmm. ain't losing the mouse. I, I, and so they helped to change all of that. I wasn't there. Warner Brothers was involved too because they will lose the rights to Buzz Bunny or Superman. But wasn't it? Indeed. But wasn't it the character that Walt Disney lost back in the nineteen twenties or thirties? Uh, Oswald, Oswald the Rabbit. Oswald, Oswald the Rabbit. Yes. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. that became like the white whale for Walt Disney. That he lost. <laughs> He lost that character. How <laughs> dare they? They took this away from me. <laughs> Walt Ahab Disney. I like it. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but, but that's I think the thing. they got him back eventually. Yeah. Yes, but that's yeah. the thing. There was a whole yeah, game about Mickey Mouse seeing like the cartoon before him. It was a whole. They did a whole. It was a whole thing. Yes, yeah. it was. They, they're together. It was in, it was in um, <laughs> one of the video games. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. It was out there. Like. It's like, oh, y'all made a whole story out of Mickey Mouse beating Oswald. The okay. Like, yeah. All right. Disney, I see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, if you're an artist, uh, Google this. It's called the Circular 40 from the Copyright Office. Please, if you're an artist, read it. It will basically explain to you your rights as an artist for your artwork. It's very important because I've seen so many artists who don't get it that they have rights in their artwork. I'm very passionate about this. Please defend your work it has value it can be worth a lot of money if you know what you're doing there you go yeah and urban outfitters will take it from you <laughs> this will yeah. a it lot will. of people will take it take stuff from you 
no matter what. Pretty much. They'll move it yeah, around. Yeah, but Urban Out. <laughs> I was trying to make a point about Urban Outfitters being well known for stealing art. Yes, like, they are. And making merchandise out of it. They've stolen art from some of my friends. Hey. Um, Even some so. of these, co- these companies we talk about today. Yes, they do. Well, yes, we know Random that. Pockets. We, 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 hadn't, we hadn't talked about the Urban Outfitters way. Uh, oh, and they're majorly known for that. So I just wanted to specifically call yeah. them out along with some of these others. Uh, Big Red Style. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Scrooge mm-hmm. McDuck is the true face of Disney. He's <laughs> 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 the true, the truth well, of Disney. Mickey Mouse is just a. I've, I've said before. Man, train candy. I said before it's not entirely inappropriate. Their mascots are rodent. So. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my man Scrooge McDuck. I was like, that's the real guy. <laughs> so Y'all that's it. That's here. Knives out, huh? So, <laughs> so that's the amazing Ducktales episode where. <laughs> yeah. He calls the kids and I told you, let me talk. let me teach you the game. And Donald's like, no, no, no. Mickey ain't never there because Mickey don't say nothing. He's like, you right. You right. <laughs> he, he, he would make the argument, okay, kids, have, right, you ever, have you ever noticed kids that Christmas Uncle Scrooge... This is Christmas Carol. No, no, have you ever guys noticed that Uncle Scrooge and Mickey Mouse are never in the same room on the He's cartoon? the boss. <laughs> well, we saw uh, uh, Disney Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. Who the boss? Uh, that was a, yeah. Who the boss? Okay. <laughs> Mickey Mouse worked for Scrooge. Exactly. Who got the money? <laughs> He's swimming the money. You know how awesome it is to swim in the money? You think he played fair? <laughs> they got whole episodes about how he don't play fair. Hmm. I mean, let's people. be honest. A whole lot of Disney characters don't play fair. <laughs> mm. Are they heroes, though? Hmm. Uh, no. <laughs> There's an argument for wow. to be made. A, yeah. a, 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 a dog person walks a dog. What does that look like? <laughs> Listen, Julian, I don't really got. I don't really have a problem with that because when I came to D.C. to go to Howard University and I saw a bird eating Kentucky Fried Chicken yes. on the sidewalk, yeah. <laughs> this is hard these streets. Uh, um, you don't eat your own. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of rough. It was hard out here, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a sparrow. Eat should not be eating the chicken. They don't feel Yo, right. They got to eat though. You yeah, know, but, and, and the solve. sparrow doesn't know what it is. Uh, you we know? saw a parasite. We know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Mmm, num, num, num. And in other are delicious. But yeah, so, there's a lot of theft and thievery out here. And I think that because um, at least three people on the call are visual artists, uh, we have a lot more <laughs> feelings. Um, I've oh, been, yeah. I, you guys, and awareness. I been, and awareness. I've been ripped by the NBA. I've been ripped by Fila. I've been ripped by a friend. I I'm have sorry. had my stuff jacked by so many people. And... And there's ways to defend things, but then sometimes defending a copyright, defending a trademark takes, well, defending a trademark is easier, but it takes money. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. this they, is can, why, they can wait you out. And this is why I strongly recommend to people to research trademarks, because if you trademark something, again, I'm not talking on behalf of my agency, this is my opinion, Law, uh, judges just basically say, did they have a trademark on? Yeah, okay, get out of here. It's that automatic. Trademarks are super powerful. And if you, this is why I love artists brand their work. That, uh, that yeah. brand has power, a lot oh, of power. Oh, so wait. Intent. It, it, it is important to do these things, but 
It is. To be honest, they is they are cost prohibitive. If you a lot of artists don't got no money. Copyright is not copyright as is cheap as trademark. Trademarks, yeah. You is dropping some, you dropping some, yo, you buying that's 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 lawyer time. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's well, some, that's some stacks. Well, I, it, yeah. Go ahead, Roberto. I was gonna say the same thing. It's it's expensive but not prohibitive. I and just research it. Trust me, I cannot speak more because I can get in trouble at work. Uh, I might actually be in trouble now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I doubt they're listening. <laughs> but you know, Shush. quiet. Mm-hmm. No, but kick the knowledge, somebody. Yes, please uh, research it. The amount of money is expensive, but it's not prohibitive. I will not lie to you, and it's a process, but it's worth it in the long term because the thing is that your work has value. Have you ever noticed specifically that people cannot take pictures from the internet and just use them? It's because well, you you're not them, supposed well, to. You're not supposed to, but <laughs> when you get caught, you get nailed because you get an automatic copyright once you take a picture. Most mm. people don't know that. Mm. We fought fight, for that. We fight that though because the algorithms don't know the difference between fair use and whatever. But yeah, yeah. that's a whole different... That's a long conversation. Three-hour conversation. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the algorithms. Yeah. Well, and, and that's one that we absolutely need to have, but uh, unfortunately... We're out of time for this episode, so I'm going to uh, thank my panelists and you, too, for having tuned in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show, and you can check that out if you go to the website at fantasticforum.tv. You can also look at episodes online. Uh, Wait, didn't I just say that? Yes, you can also, you might be able to watch it on your real TV, though. Check your local listings uh, for the station in your area. Um, also, the show is available as a, this show, as a podcast, radio show, making the distinction between radio and television. And it, we're available on all the platforms where podcasts are available, thanks to our good friends over at the Great Geek Refuge. And the show re-airs each and every Thursday afternoon here on WERA from 3 to 4 p.m. So uh, you can, if you miss any portion of it, you can tune in then and hear what you missed and tell your friends about the re-air. So, yes, very serious issues here. Protect yourself, protect your rights, get a trademark, get a copyright. Don't let anybody take you for bad in this world because, you know, you can make yourself a lot of money if you've got some ideas. That's intellectual property. Anyway, look. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, people, and be sure to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station.
bad for me.